Hey, doll. Hey, doll. I'm your host, Paula. And I'm your host, Cynthia. And we are Dolls Dolls and and Doom. Doom. Paula, today I am going to blow your mind. This case is absolutely a complete mystery, as are many cases, but this one just has so many twists and turns, ultimately ruled a suicide, but it just doesn't make sense. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Phoebe Hansjuk. So our story takes place in Melbourne, Australia. On December 2nd, 2010, Anthony Hample, who went by the nickname Ant, arrived at his building's basement parking lot around 6 p.m. There he used his security key fob to open the gate to enter the garage. Now this was a luxury apartment building and any entrance into the building required swiping your personal security fob. Then he had to swipe his fob again to get to the actual floor on which he lived. And apparently, it would only get him onto that one particular floor via elevator. So if you've ever stayed in a nicer hotel and stayed on one of the, you know, top penthouse floors and you had to get to that floor, you've used your key fob uh, to even get to that level. And I'm kind of imagining that that is what it was like in his building. Okay, gotcha. So Ant, a 43-year-old event promoter, lived on the 12th floor of this luxury apartment building with his beautiful 24-year-old girlfriend, Phoebe Hansjuk. Now, on this evening, he entered his apartment, and he would later go on to say that he couldn't remember if the apartment door was locked or unlocked. And for me, right off the bat, that's a little strange, because out of habit, my door is just always locked. And I would definitely notice it if someone had left my front door unlocked. Yeah, me too. Okay, so I don't know if they just, security wasn't a big deal or, or what, but he, he's not sure how this door was left when he, when he got home. Now, when he got inside his apartment, his dog Yoshi greeted him, but he didn't see Phoebe anywhere. Her purse and her keys were on the counter, and there were some post-it notes with strange, like, scribbled notes all over them, and those were laying kind of all over the counter. Phoebe and Aunt had a cleaning person who would come in, and they had just cleaned the apartment the day before, so these notes had only been there for 24 hours at most. Aunt went into the bedroom, and he found a photo of himself and Phoebe laying on the bed, alongside a photo of Phoebe's cat, and a whole lot of, quote, rambled notes, the notes she writes when she's smashed and they don't make a lot of sense, end quote. Aunt described this scene as a shrine. There were candles burning and the hair flat iron was plugged in in the bathroom. There was also broken glass and some blood near the computer keyboard. Other than that, it looked as if Phoebe had just stepped out and maybe intended to be right back. But keep in mind, you could leave the apartment without a key, but she would have needed her key fob to get back into the building and again, even back onto her floor. And Phoebe's purse and keys were laying on that kitchen counter. Aunt and Phoebe had plans to go to dinner with Phoebe's father, Lynn, that evening. They were going to one of Phoebe's favorite restaurants called the Golden Triangle. So at about 10 till 7 that night, Lynn called Phoebe on her iPhone. 
Now there are several discrepancies about this phone. Some accounts say it was Phoebe's. Some accounts say it actually belonged to Ant, but that he would let Phoebe use it from time to time. But on this particular evening, according to Ant, Phoebe's iPhone was broken and needed repair and it was actually at the shop. According to Lynn, Ant answered Phoebe's iPhone when he called. According to Ant, the phone was in the shop, so he says he actually had no idea that Lynn had called. But in an effort to try to figure out where Phoebe was, Ant called Lynn from his own phone just one minute after Lynn had originally called Phoebe on the iPhone. It's a little confusing already. <laughs> it, it is. But do you, do you get, the, you get yeah. the... Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. So Lynn says he called Phoebe to finalize dinner plans for that night. And Ant says he called Lynn to find out if he'd heard from Phoebe. As soon as Lynn finds out from Ant that Phoebe is not home, but all of her stuff is, he became really concerned. You see, just the day before, Phoebe had sent a strange group text message from her iPhone to Lynn, to Phoebe's mother, Natalie, to Natalie's partner, Russell, to Aunt, to Phoebe's brothers, her grandmother, Jeanette, and to her boss. And this is what that message said. Hi, family. I am in bed and about to sleep, and when I wake, I will transform into the most incredible human being you have ever seen. Not. I will go to hospital. It's safer there, and I hear the special tonight is tomato soup. Delicious. Nutritious. I love you all very much, but not enough to send an individual text. Sorry about that, but time is sleep, and I must be on my way. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. XO. Okay, that's really weird. It's a weird message, right? Yeah. Now, I don't know Phoebe, so I don't know if she's just kind of like one of those little off-the-cuff type people where, you know, this kind of, you know, almost like speaks in poem kind of thing. Right. Which is kind of what this feels like to me. But I agree it would be concerning. And I guess her dad found it very concerning. In fact, Natalie, Phoebe's mom, had been out of town when she received this text, and it bothered her so much that she called Jeanette, Phoebe's grandmother, and asked her to check on Phoebe. Jeanette was so disturbed by the text that she called Aunt on the morning of December 10th, which is the day Phoebe went missing, and asked him if Phoebe was okay. He told Jeanette that he had not seen the message, but when he left the apartment that morning, Phoebe was still asleep, and that he would just swing by the house on his lunch break to check on her to make sure everything was still fine. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to note that Aunt says he did come by and check on Phoebe throughout the day. However, there is no record of his key fob letting him in the building. Okay. That's suspicious, right? Yes, it is. Now, could he have snuck in behind someone? Possibly. Yeah, I've done it. Is it possible there's a glitch in the system and somehow there's no record showing he used his fob? I mean, stranger things have happened. True. But on the surface, it's suspicious. So when Lynn finds out that Phoebe's not home, and she should have been, her stuff was there, they were getting ready to go out that night, you know, Lynn wants Aunt to report her missing right away. But Aunt didn't want to. He wanted to give it a little more time saying that police don't even take these reports seriously until after someone has been missing for 48 hours and that she would definitely be back by then. Lynn is a psychiatrist, so I feel like he knows a thing or two about what is and isn't 
normal behavior, especially in his own daughter. So the fact that he is alarmed makes me think that something was off here. Now, obviously, we don't know Phoebe. Some people are more free-spirited than, uh, than others. But the fact that he starts calling around to friends and family trying to find out if anyone has heard from her tells me that this text message and her being gone from the house was not her normal behavior. After making several calls, Lynn ends up speaking to a friend of Phoebe's named Bren, who had last seen Phoebe a couple of nights before when they'd gone out for drinks together. And Bren did say that it had seemed like Phoebe was coming off a bit of a bender. So she liked to drink. Yes, it appears so. And actually, according to some of her friends and family, Phoebe and Aunt's relationship had been a bit troubled lately. And that recently, fighting, breaking up, and Phoebe even moving out was something that happened pretty regularly. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Aunt said that during these times, Phoebe had been drinking a lot. She'd been partying with friends that he didn't care for. And she was using prescription drugs to help her sleep. So Aunt doesn't seem too concerned at this moment. Um, In fact, he's so not concerned that he ends up ordering takeout for himself from the restaurant that he was supposed to go to with Lynn and Phoebe. At around 8 p.m., the food delivery person rings his doorbell and Aunt buzzes him up. When he gets up there... The delivery boy tells Aunt that it was really hard to get into the building as the front of the building is swarming with cops, police cars, ambulances, so much so that he had to park his bike up the street and that he hoped Aunt's food was not cold due to the delay. So someone called the cops. Someone called the cops. So Aunt goes downstairs and he finds a police officer and he asks what's going on and the officer tells him that a woman's body has been found (gasps) in the trash compactor room. Oh, my God. Aunt tells the officer that his girlfriend has been missing, and he asks if this, this woman could be her. He said he'd been trying to call her all day on the home phone with no answer, and that she was suffering with depression, and that she was heavily medicated. The detective asked about any distinguishing features Phoebe had and Aunt showed him the tattoo on his own wrist that matched one that Phoebe had on her wrist and he told him that she had a stud in her upper lip. The officer asked Aunt to go get a photo of Phoebe so he could be sure. So investigators compared Aunt's photo to photos taken at the crime scene. This officer then followed Aunt back up to their apartment and asked if Phoebe had a tattoo on her stomach, which she did. And it was then the officer confirmed that he believed the woman who they had found was Phoebe. This detective would later report that Aunt had no visible reaction to this news. So now Aunt has to call Lynn back and let him know that his daughter has been found. And on top of that, the fact that he didn't want to call the cops to begin with. The cops had to tell him. Right. So, and she'd she'd been found when um, a woman who worked in the building walked into that trash compactor room and saw her. And she called the police. Gotcha. Yes. Now, Lynn was obviously devastated when he found out that his daughter had passed. And then he had to call the rest of the family with the news. So, obviously, everyone took it very, very hard. Of course. So 24-year-old Phoebe was found dead on the floor of the trash compactor room with her right foot almost completely severed 
by the trash compactor machine. Wow. This scene was almost immediately ruled a suicide, and let's just say that shortcuts were taken when it came to the investigation, and possibly even to the care of Phoebe herself. So when this call originally came in, paramedics showed up at the scene, and one of them, Christy Cook, ran to the room where Phoebe was in an attempt to provide medical assistance should it be needed. She was actually stopped by the police officers saying it was a crime scene and that she was not allowed to enter. Now, she did say that from where she was standing, she was able to see a woman inside the room who appeared to be bluished and appeared to be deceased. She had injuries to her hip and her leg and her right ankle was in an unnatural position. However, it doesn't appear that anyone ever actually went and put hands on Phoebe to confirm that she was dead or even still warm. Okay, that's weird. Very weird. Christy said this bothered her for months because her training is to go help people in these types of situations. And in this case, she wasn't even allowed to go check on her. In fact, the first people to actually enter the room and get anywhere near Phoebe were the crime scene specialists who didn't arrive on scene until several hours later. So the cops didn't even do anything? Nobody. They came in, they saw the scene, they roped it off. Nobody was allowed near. Nobody checked her to make sure that she was dead, to check her to see if she was breathing. Was she warm? Nothing. Not until hours later. It was determined that Phoebe had crawled into the chute, feet first, fallen down the chute, and then had her right foot almost completely severed by the compacting machine at the bottom. She then slumped further into the machine where her hip was sliced open by the compactor blade. Then the steel trapdoor opened and she fell into the room in which she was found. She died from blood loss as she crawled around, presumably to find the door to leave the room. She did actually make it to the door, leaving a bloody handprint on it but apparently was unable to open it. Her jeans were found pulled down around her knees. Okay, that that makes no sense. It's weird, right? It's very weird. She went down feet first. So it's not like... She fell and the opening pushed her pants down. Right, right. Pushed them up. It would have pushed them up if anything. Right. Okay, so nothing about this scene made any sense to Phoebe's family. So Phoebe's grandfather, Lorne Campbell, a retired police detective of 28 years, decided to do his own investigation. He hired Neil Bone, the head of Waste Tech Engineering, to recreate the exact chute that Phoebe had fallen down so that he could do his own experiments. He recreated this fall with two of Phoebe's friends. He made his results available to the coroner and to the police. So what he did is he got two of Phoebe's friends who were very similar in size and stature as Phoebe to see if they could climb into the chute feet first. Now, one was able to, but the other couldn't due to her shoulders being too broad. Now, there's actually a video of this online you can watch. This is not like a simple step into the chute. It's a few feet off the ground. Oh. Yeah. You have to like like step up into it. It takes some dexterity. It took a little bit of effort. This was not a simple thing to do. So you really have to want to get in there. Right. You don't accidentally fall into the chute. Right. Okay. It, the door is like a... Like a pull down? Yes. Like, like an envelope kind of type door. So is it heavy? It appeared to be heavy because 
they had to use their hands to keep it open. Okay. It would automatically, it was engineered to like snap shut. Gotcha. So that'll kind of come up in a couple minutes where she would have had to use her hands to keep it open because it was made to stay closed unless it was being pulled open. Okay. But keep in mind, several feet off the ground, how do you climb up into that position if your pants are around your knees? That's a very good question. Right? You just you just can't. Right. So get this. The chute opening was only 22 centimeters wide. That is just over eight and a half inches. How big was she? She was petite. Okay. But eight and a half inches, I mean, that is tiny. Yeah, it is. There's no question. She was in the chute. So she did fit. There's no speculation as to was she ever not in the chute. She was. But the question is, how did she get in there? How did she situate herself? How did she do it with her pants pulled down? How did she, you know, how did this happen if she was by herself? So the only way that she could have gone down the chute, the only way she would have even fit, is if she had had her arms up over her head. If her arms were down beside her body, she wouldn't have fit. So her arms had to be up over her head. Now the coroner's report that Phoebe tried to break her fall with her hands, but her hands were perfectly clean. And the chute was obviously filthy. It's a trash chute. And again, it would have been impossible for her to get her hands down to her side. They estimate she traveled around 52 miles per hour while falling down this chute. Wow. She would not have even had time to think about using her hands. It is possible to climb into the chute. But like I said, it took a lot of dexterity. Well, Phoebe had a blood alcohol level of 0.16, which is three times the legal limit. And she had taken one or two Stillnox tablets. Over here in America, we know them as Ambien. Hmm. Okay. Yes. So at the very least, with a blood alcohol level of three times the legal limit and Ambien in her system... You tell me how someone who's that, we'll just use the word intoxicated or under the influence, how do they pull this off? This was hard enough with sober girls who like were trying to recreate this situation. So how does someone who's under the influence and not completely sober by any means, how is she going to have the wherewithal to get herself in this situation? Like it was physically hard. Something Something to to think think about. about. (laughs) Yes, you got it. Okay, so if she had gotten into the chute by herself, her fingers would have been bruised and injured from the door snapping back into place. But there were no injuries to her fingers. Her jeans were around her knees, so she would have had a hard time getting up into that. She went feet first. We know the jeans didn't, you know, fall down as she was sliding down. And there were no fingerprints around the chute. Or at least no, like, clean, liftable fingerprints. Phoebe's grandfather, he did several experiments of, you know, trying to get these girls to go down the chute. Those could be done, but it was difficult. But he did a separate experiment of a man putting a woman who was pretending to be unconscious in the chute. This happened very easily. Why am I not surprised? Now, only moments after the police arrived at the scene, the manager of the apartment building arrived. He knew that the building had security cameras and that the police would obviously want to be able to view those, right? Of course. 
So he told the police that they needed to download this footage immediately as he'd recently been having trouble with the cameras and that they were looping like the the looping time was off and they were recording over themselves much quicker than they should be. That's sketchy. It is. But he knew of it. He knew of the situation. So he told the police, you need to get this footage ASAP. He said when he told them this, they didn't really react or seem interested at, at all. He said they did view a little bit of footage with him right there in the office, but I can only assume it wasn't anything of note or this case would have turned out very differently. There would be no mystery if we had, you know, actual footage of what happened. Right. But the fact that they didn't pull this until it was too late. Not doing their job. It's, I feel like this happens in every case. This happened last week's case too. Yeah, they just don't want to investigate. Right. Just there's video. Just pull it. Answer. So the coroner ruled it an accident fueled by alcohol and the sleeping drug still knocks. Now, in Australia, if the coroner had left the findings open, then any new evidence that ever appeared could be investigated. But because it was closed as a suicide or an accidental death, no more investigations happening. Now, Mr. Bone, the person who owned this waste company, this compactor machine, he said he had never seen anything like this in his 30 years of being in the waste industry. Now, there are two other cases of people dying by falling down garbage chutes at the Park Charles Apartments in Baltimore in 2010 and 2011. But both of those deaths were ruled accidents. And in both cases, the victim went down the chute head first. Interesting. So the fact that she went down feet first. And think about it. Think about, okay, you accidentally fall in a hole on the side of a wall. It's pretty much what a chute is, right? It's like a hole in the side of the wall. If you're walking... And it's an accident. It makes sense that like maybe you leaned over too far or you were throwing something in there and the the weight of, you know, what you were throwing in kind of carried. It makes sense you would go down head first. Absolutely. There's no situation you would go down feet first accidentally. Yeah, 100%. So in addition to these strange details, Phoebe's family felt the timing of this apparent suicide was very strange. You see, Phoebe had promised her mother to help decorate the home just the very next day for her younger brother's 18th birthday party. And her grandfather was turning 70 the following week. And after that, her best friend would be celebrating a birthday. So there were a lot of fun things to look forward to in the coming days and weeks. And it just didn't make sense that Phoebe would have chosen this time to kill herself. Agreed. After her death, Phoebe's mom, Natalie, recorded a conversation that she had with Aunt. In this tape, Aunt was heard saying, quote, The hardest thing is that she didn't want to die. She really didn't. It was just that monster that was alcohol, you know? She was coping with her depression. She really was. She was with the best doctors and the best therapist. Every day, alcohol. She couldn't just brought out this monster and the monster won, end quote. I mentioned there were no usable fingerprints on the chute's entrance. And some would say that this is impossible, you know, for her to have opened that door and had to hold on, hold her body weight there until it was time to let go. Right. How are there no fingerprints? Then others say maybe it makes total sense because if you were doing all of this, would you have left clear, clean fingerprints or would they be smudged and all over the place? Right. Like your hand is on there and it kind of like wipes the surface. Right. Uh, Phoebe said that she was incredibly claustrophobic and that she would have never willingly put herself in such a tight, confined space. Now, I'm very claustrophobic, and I guarantee you, 
you will never find me in a eight and a half inch confined space on ever, purpose willingly ever yeah. so i get that like that's just totally bizarre aunt's father george hample was a longtime supreme court judge and there possibly could be a pattern of george's position getting his children out of trouble as aunt's sister christina was arrested in 2014 for drug trafficking but was never charged Christina was never present at the inquest in Phoebe's death and in 2016 posted to Facebook a photo of her and Phoebe and captioned it, quote, I just stumbled across my favorite pic of beautiful Phoebe. I miss you, darling. You are a fragile little flower that nobody watered. You and your family were let down by the justice system and those who represent it. I only hope that one day the truth will come out so that they may have some peace. Now, this post was taken down just 12 hours later, but obviously it caused a bit of a stir. I personally don't really know what to make of it, but in my opinion, it almost seems that Christina may have felt there was some foul play or something. What do you think? I I think, yeah, it does sound that way. To say that her family was let down by the justice system. I I feel like that specifically was a dig. Right. And then, you know, she hopes that truth comes out so they can find peace. Right. That, to me, just implies that there's more than yeah. meets the eye. Like she wants to say, let's let the truth out. Right. And this is Aunt's sister. Um, and then again, the fact that the post went came down afterwards. Like, if that's not what you meant, why not clarify what you meant? But to take the post down 12 hours after you put it up is even more suspicious. Yeah, like someone's offended by what she's saying. Or like, get that down. Or, you know, it caused a, maybe a stir. Like people saying, what do you mean by this? And I think if I posted something... This is a big deal. This isn't just some little, yeah, I might take one, you know, if I post something and people create drama from it, yeah, I might take that down. But this is like about the death of somebody. If I post something and what I say is misinterpreted or twisted and people like start reading into something that is completely opposite of what I was saying, I would just clarify. I would clarify my post. Right. This is what I mean by that. Right. Not just take it down completely and leave people to wonder even more. Right. Very suspicious to me. So after further inquest, coroner Peter White ruled that Phoebe had put herself feet first into the chute accidentally while she was intoxicated under the influence of the sleeping drug Stillnox. Okay, but how do you accidentally put both feet into the chute and go down this thing? You know, at first I thought impossible. There's no way. But after reading some posts on Reddit, I'm going to tell you about some of them, and kind of thinking about some of my own personal experiences and experiences of friends... I may have a theory. It's not a good one. Okay. But I don't know that I would say it's impossible the more I think about it. Okay. I'm intrigued. Okay. So let's talk about what happened when Aunt came home. Do you think it's suspicious that he was not more concerned when he came home and saw a little bit of blood on the computer keyboard and like a broken glass? Yes, I do. That seems strange to me for sure. Now, breaking a glass, that happens. Right. Even cutting yourself on a broken glass. Okay. The fact that it was laying there not cleaned up is strange to me. Because if I break a glass, happened many times, I immediately clean that up. Because you got glass laying around. Right. Somebody could get hurt. Um, if I spill blood, I'm certainly going to clean that up. Absolutely. Because it's blood. The only 
situation I cannot imagine myself cleaning that up right away is like if it was an emergent medical situation and who cares about the glass who cares right. like I'm to like go to the hospital to, right that's the only thing I can kind of figure out that wouldn't be alarming to me but if I came home and saw even just a broken glass and blood and my husband wasn't home and he should be and his wallet and his keys were there right something's weird something is up something even without the broken glass right. and that if i check my house and my and you know he's not across the street talking to the neighbor and but his stuff is there and he's not that's strange yeah and you call the family or friends and they haven't heard from this person right okay so i i, I thought that was weird but i just i thought maybe i'm the only one no you're not Natalie, Phoebe's mother, has wanted to appeal this finding about this being ruled an accident or a suicide, but she's advised that the Coroner's Act in, you know, Australia has very narrow appeal grounds and that the appeal will likely fail and the family could even be held responsible for substantial court costs. So as long as it's closed like this, to appeal is going to be pretty difficult. So they're kind of stuck with this ruling. And I think that's really sad. Yeah, it is. All right, so the theories. How could it be possible that she ended up here if she wasn't placed there? All right, so one of my favorite places to go after I've researched a case is Reddit because it's just a bunch of people weighing in on their thoughts and opinions. And it's interesting to me because it sometimes like wakes me up to things I wouldn't have otherwise thought of. Well, I could not believe the amount of posts I saw where someone said that they had taken a sleeping drug such as Ambien or Stillnox and they could see themselves crawling into a garbage chute after having taken this drug. That's spooky. Yes, because it makes you, depending on you know your personal chemistry, it doesn't necessarily do this to everybody. And I have heard that it affects women in a more crazy way than it does men. But it can absolutely make you like see things that aren't there, hallucinate, all these things. In fact, we have a mutual friend who took Ambien every night to help her sleep. And she has seen everything while on Ambien from a vampire on the ceiling in the corner of her bedroom to a man standing at the end of her bed. And one time she even had a full-on face-to-face conversation with JFK, who visited her beyond the grave and told her who killed him. And she remembers being both shocked because apparently it was not Oswald, nor was it any of the more common conspiracy theories. But at the same time, she also remembers it making complete sense. And it was like, oh my goodness, that's so obvious. Of course that's who killed him. But she can't remember who did it. Like she literally. So this is just one person's strange experience on these sleeping drugs. And this is like a personal friend of mine. So I can verify these stories are true. But it obviously does strange things. Um, I saw on Reddit some stories where someone was so deeply asleep that they caused their own death while sleepwalking. One person jumped off a bridge. Another person, like, climbed a wall that was several stories up and fell off and was caught on. Yeah, they just jumped off and they were caught on camera. And their family absolutely didn't believe that they did this until they watched the video. Wow. They were just sleepwalking. It's rare, but it can happen. Now, I mentioned a couple weeks ago in the Asia Degree case that I used to have night terrors. And one of my kids, unfortunately, he has them. And when he's having one, he appears to be awake. He'll talk or scream or, you know, whatever the terror has him doing. But you can't wake him up. So he looks like he's awake. He looks like he's cognitive. But if I touch him, he's going to think that he's being attacked in his dream. So I can kind of see where it's possible to be in a certain state. 
and maybe not look like you are from the outside. But yet in your mind, whatever you're seeing, whatever you're doing is very real. In my mind, whatever you're seeing or whatever you're doing is very real. So my theory is the fact that Ant did not seem concerned in the beginning could just be because he was used to her maybe during one of her, you know, drinking phases or even possibly if he was used to her being on this medication, he was maybe used to her kind of coming and going. Um, That's why he didn't seem too concerned. And because he lived with her, maybe that's why he, it seemed more normal to him than it was like to her father. Because there are behaviors of mine that like my husband would know were my behaviors that my parents wouldn't just because they don't live with me. They're not with me on that same level. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Right. So that could explain why he was like, no, she'll be back. Don't worry. Because, you know, maybe maybe this had happened before. So what if she's taking this medicine that we know can cause hallucinations, can cause kind of crazy behavior that a person thinks is real. Plus she's mixing it with alcohol. Remember, three times the normal limit. What if she has like some scary hallucination? What if she's either sleepwalking or having a night terror or just hallucinating And in her mind, the only way to get to a safe place is to go down this garbage chute. Okay, I can kind of see that, but that still doesn't explain the pants around to the knees. Well, I thought of that. So what if, and don't get me wrong, none of this is good. None of this is a good theory, but it's the only thing I can come up with. What if she's still, after falling and then having her foot almost severed, what if she gets down there, she realizes she's hurt, but she's still in this state of just complete confusion. It's dark because she's in the room with no windows and she knows she's hurt on her leg. And so she's trying to maybe take her pants off to kind of get to the wound. Okay, I can see that happening. I don't think I would do that if like I felt like my foot was coming off. I don't think I would attempt to take my pants off. But she wasn't exactly in her right mind. Right. Potentially. In in this theory. That's the only thing I can think of. In my opinion, it either had to be that or somebody put her in there. Yeah, I agree. Now I'm going to leave you on this last note. Phoebe isn't the only one of Anne's girlfriends who died mysteriously. Oh. So... Few years later, he's dating another woman, another younger woman. He was not with her at the time, like physically with her, but she was found in her parents' kitchen with a string or a rope around her neck, having died from apparent hanging, but there was nothing in the room that she could have hung herself on. Oh my gosh. Just another strange potential suicide that doesn't quite add up. Now, Ant has never been considered um, a suspect. Again, this isn't even a crime. This is a suicide or an accidental death. That's what this has been ruled as. But there's a lot of questions. Honestly, my gut, I don't know. I, I think at first I thought there's no way. There's no way she did. She was murdered. This is even a strange way to murder someone, I think. Absolutely. Like it's just an even strange way to do that. Unless it wasn't being planned. Right. I mean, I guess pick somebody up and throw them down a chute. It still doesn't explain how her pants got down unless they, did they come down? Maybe they were already down either in a fight. Was she being attacked? Was someone trying to rape her? She's running away. She's starting to get away. They pick her up, throw her down the chute. It could be anything. I guess that's a possibility. But for me, the, the idea that she was maybe having hallucinations, that's not completely out of the question. No, it's not. Especially knowing that she did survive the fall 
and was alive down there for a few minutes moving around that makes me think okay i guess it's possible she could have pulled her own pants down strange yeah maybe she was freaking out right so i don't know that's the case of phoebe Hansjug. it's a strange one it is very strange very sad for her family because so many unanswered questions i don't think she killed herself i do on purpose i do not think that i think it was either an accident or she was murdered but i do not believe that she did this to herself on purpose i agree And I wish they had looked more into it, slapping suicide on it and calling it done. Watch the video. Even if someone did this to themselves, just like in the Jessica Johnson case, like why wouldn't you watch any potential video that tells you exactly what happened? Yeah, look at all the times we don't have video. And if only we had video to figure it out. You have video. Figure it out. Right. Now, I'm not a detective. I mean, I know it's a really hard job. But I would think that when I was dealing with something as important as somebody's life i would do my best to like dot all my eyes and cover all my t's yeah look at all the possible evidence i would hope anyway so that's the case of phoebe a hands that's crazy and mm-hmm. sad i remember what to this day i still think did this really happen to me so i was a teenager probably a late teen and i was asleep in my bed um we had a two-story house i was of course living with my parents two-story house and in the middle of the night all of a sudden a rat was crawling on me (gasps) it was crawling all over me and it was like in my hair and it was just all over my body and I started screaming like blood curdling scream and like clawing at my hair trying to like get this rat out of my hair you know I'm in bed yeah and I'm, I'm screaming 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 and finally I'm able to like get up and turn the light on and the second I turn the light on it stops there was not a a rat on me in the meantime my parents hear me screaming they're in the bedroom directly above mine and come down rushing down thinking something horrible's happened they actually ended up calling 911 oh first because they heard a woman screaming and they thought it was coming from the backyard so my mother called oh. 911 saying there's a woman screaming cuz i was screaming help me please help 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 me oh my god and um or get off me that's what i was saying get off uh, me get off me talking to this rat and so she just hears a woman screaming from what sounds like her backyard saying get off me get off me so she calls 911 saying a woman's being attacked turns out it was me oh. um but to this day like i can still feel i remember everything about it i can still feel it i can still it felt so real it seems so real to me i mean i felt it i was moving i was a, like in my mind i remember it i remember like thinking I was awake but I couldn't have been because the second the light came on it stopped everything stopped and it was like I woke up that is so freaky it was so but to this day I'm like that was so vivid again I know I didn't have a rat on me because I'm alone in my room if there had been a rat we would have seen the rat yeah I never had a rat in my house and rats don't just magically disappear as soon as you flip a light switch no they multiply (laughs) (laughs) but it was like it was so bizarre. It was so weird. So all that to say, you know, that's just one one moment of me thinking something was real that wasn't, that wasn't really happening. So, you know, that can be very powerful, I guess is my point. Yeah, absolutely. To think something. If I at that moment thought that maybe jumping down a, a chute or hopping into a pool of water might have saved me from this rat, I can see doing that doing that absolutely and then finding yourself in a situation that you can't get out of yeah especially when you're hallucinating and and really feeling like it's real right well thanks everybody for listening we uh hope to bring you a new episode every friday 
If you want to help us out, you can like us, share, like us on our Facebook page, like our Instagram, follow us, rate us. Send us an email at dollsanddoom at gmail.com. Still feel it. Okay. (laughs) Got chill bumps. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye.